Today, I'm from A to Ziggy. Conversation piece. Welcome to From A to Ziggy, the podcast where we listen to every single David Bowie song in alphabetical order and discuss it. My name is Travis. My name is Thomas. And today, we this is pretty meta. We're going to have a conversation about conversation piece. Today's conversation piece is conversation piece. It's like having a coffee table book called Coffee Table Book. So this song falls into the category of like, I heard the title of it and thought it would be one thing. And then it was something completely different because David Bowie is such a unique lyricist that you almost expect it to be a song that was like intended to be a conversation piece, like just firing off topics and like, yeah, being kind of abstract to make you think, hmm, let's have a conversation about this song. But it is completely the opposite. It's like a ballad about introversion almost you were thinking something more like uh correct me if i'm wrong you're thinking something maybe more like watch that man where it's a guy he's he's, he's schmoozing he's hobnobbing yeah and he's having conversations yeah about things uh but not so not so it's the the title is kind of ironic it is this is this was the b-side to the original version of the prettiest star 1970 it was re-released on the Space Oddity CD from Ryko Disc in 1990, and it's also on the uh, Five Years box set. You can get the mono version. The stereo version was finally released in 2009 on the Space Oddity Deluxe Edition 2 CD set. And there's also a cover, which I guess we'll get to. I mean, a, a remake, which I guess we'll get to uh, near the end. No, actually, let's just. We should just talk just, about this. Just, just address the elephant in the room that there is. A reboot of the song, so to speak. Yeah, which I mean, it's worth mentioning right off the top of the at the top of the show, just because it's a kind another kind of canonical version of it. I think I think they kind of stand on the same on the same footing, on the same level. Yeah, the two versions. Because I think I heard the first. I think I heard the remake version first. It was a B side or an ex, a bonus track on Heathen. And in that one, he's got a much deeper voice. Yeah, it's much more brooding. Yeah. More strings, yeah. Uh, that kind of like ominous drum beat. Yeah. Uh, whereas the other one almost feels like a it feels like a, like a country ballad, like an old-time country ballad. Yeah, it's got that country feel to it, which is uh, either Mick Wayne or Tim Renwick on lead guitar. I found conflicting information about who that is, but basically it's... It sounds kind of like a uh, pedal steel or a pedal guitar, but apparently it's just an electric guitar fed through some effects pedals and boosted with, what was it, cello or some kind of, or viola or something. And yeah, so it's got that sort of bendy country sort of twang to it. And then the rim hits, hitting the snare drum on the rim, kind of gives it that clack instead of a snap, which gives it a sort of country sound to it as well. It's funny, I always find myself liking songs that bite from old country and country music in general more than I end up actually listening to and liking country music. With some exceptions, but like, I would say how much I listen to stuff that's not country impersonating country versus actual country, it's like a four to one ratio. Hmm. What are some songs that impersonate country that you do? A lot of old Beck is what pops into my head. Like some of my favorite Beck songs from my high school years were like the ones where he's like impersonating country. Like uh, the ones from Stereopathetic Soul Manure. Yeah. And Rowboat like, and Modesto. 
Yeah, and, and like so uh, the stuff, you know, the ones on Odalay. Um, Lord only knows is a brilliant song. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's got a great sort of weird country hip hop vibe. Yeah. to it. And uh, did you ever hear the uh, that EP, a Western Harvest Field by Moonlight? It's got a bunch of like weird solo four track. I feel like my cousin had recordings. it. Ah, oh, it's a weird one. There's one where there's one called Vader Rocks, where he does he puts his voice through like a a Darth Vader simulator. God, I miss Weird Beck so much sometimes. So country songs. Is it that you, you're more into the country western aesthetic, the old style? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is just the way I tend to consume music. I guess I don't like seek it out like the, uh, a lot of like country. Like if it's on, I'll listen to it like old, old stuff and I'll enjoy it pretty hard. I like old Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash is awesome. Johnny Cash, um, Willie Nelson, those are the kind of crossover yeah, anybody can appreciate exactly. those country songs. The basic, I mean, it, it is really cliche to be like, I hate country music, except for right. these guys. Yeah. Everyone says it. It's not an original thought. But there's a reason it's not an original thought. It's because their stuff is so good. Yeah. It's uh, it's a personality that everybody feels like they want to identify with sometimes. Yeah, it's just that, like, dark. swagger in the face of horrible, bleak darkness. Yeah. Which is kind of what this song is. Less swagger, more sulk. Uh, which is appealing to, you know, some people, myself included. This is a very emo kind of song. It is kind a of very, an emo song. It's a very Byronic kind of song. The title is ironic. The character it is Byronic. Um, and, and I think the, the O2 remake, I think, conveys a lot more of that, like, emo vibe. Yeah, because the with the, uh, the lower pitched voice he just sounds more resigned he sounds older yeah and he's sort of reflecting on a life wasted you know in all these years like he says uh whereas the younger one sounds you know sort of like there's 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 a bright future just over the horizon the older the the uh remake with older bowie just sounds like resigned it's yeah like it's all over which is also kind of a, a product of the time it came out in. Because there's the, like, like Bo, again, like the time traveler he can be. Like, it, some kind of, you know, every couple decades he puts out an album that plugs right into where music is at at that moment. Like he did with Earthling and like he did with Les Dance, you know. And that's what music was in 2002. Uh, and actually, I just got a really good refresher on this, too. This uh, music writer, Steve Hyden. He had this 10-part series about the rise and fall of Alternative Nation, and... Alternative Nation being... The, the uh, quote-unquote grunge movement and the alternative and indie rock of the 1990 through 1999. Nation in the Stephen Colbert sense. Yeah. Well, Alternative Nation was, it was even prior to when everyone kind of took on Nation as a thing, like... Nation um, and the Alien Nation, the TV series. Yes. <laughs> Which I always... I never really watched that show when I was a kid, but I always remember seeing commercials for it. And whenever, to this day, anyone ever mentions Alien Nation, I'm like, oh, Alien Nation? Like, it just pops in my head. I can just picture the guy with the spots on his head. Yeah. Uh, where was I going with... Oh, so yeah, it kind of like... It kind of brought me back into that time when I was a teenager. And like, it really does go from like 98, 99 through probably 2008 2009 maybe even a little like 2007 it's kind of like this height of pop punk and post grunge new metal most of it's meh pretty pretty bad and, and there was a lot of like brooding like power ballady songs that would come out around that time that were kind of like this version something like the 2002 conversation piece. yeah okay 
lyrically, this song totally took me back to um, when I was living in Providence. So this song is basically about being invisible in a giant space, which anyone who's ever lived in a city can relate to. In, a, in an undesirable way. In know, an undesirable that's way. That's not what one wants. Yeah, when you're kind of isolated from all of your, you know, whether you move to an area and you're separated from your people that you know, or you just happen to be someone who's never really had any people and you've lived there forever. Yeah, you're um, not connecting with your community. Yeah, you're just there. So, yeah, and that really, that brought me back. So I moved in like late 2008 from my hometown to Providence to reboot, so to speak, with a couple of my friends. And uh, it went terrible. Like I was like broke as hell, didn't make any friends up there. And there was a summer where I was unemployed and had like no money. So I basically would just like get up and with whatever savings I had stashed away, like go grab a coffee and kind of wander anonymously through this city where I was like, oh, I've lived here for like three years and I have zero connection to anything mm. or anyone. It was just like this, yeah, this weird invisibility. Did you feel like you were trying to make something of yourself there and uh, it just wasn't happening? Yes and no. Like, I was still working in my... Weird. It's a Providence number. Oh, wow. That's eerie as hell. Okay. Um, Your past is calling. My past is calling, telling me I need to stop. I know too much. Yeah, so like it is, it's like this weird feeling of isolation. So yeah, it was a weird time. And that's, yeah, the song really kind of brought it, brought it all back. It's weird. You know, sometimes you kind of look back fondly on times that in the moment you're like, oh, it sucks so bad. Oh yeah. And you kind of wonder why you look back fondly on it. Yeah. Kind of like that. It's, it's weird. Like, why am I wistful for this? It sucks. <laughs> Maybe it has to do with the fact that it's over. Yeah. When it ended, you came out of whatever, I don't know if it was a depression or a uh, whatever slump you felt you were in. Once that's over, you sort of project that feeling at the end yeah. on, onto the whole time Makes sense. before. Or, or at least people tend to forget past pain. Like uh, they say women who've, who've given birth, you know, right after they'll say never again. But then, uh, you know, later on, uh, sort of minimize the pain in, in their memory. It's like, oh, it wasn't that bad. And then it happens again. You're like, nope, it's that bad. It's worse than that bad. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then, you know, it kind of repeats. The cycle yeah. repeats. You just sort of minimize the pain in your memory. Um, very deep. Yeah. This is very, that's a very insight, inf- insightful, bountiful insight being revealed here on From Me to Ziggy today. And this is, a, this is an insightful song. It is. It's appropriate. This is a... It's, um, it's a serious song. It is. And it's kind of unlike the other stuff he was doing at that time where it's less autobiographical and less straightforward, like love songs and more into that like Not abstract auto- character. As opposed pieces. to like, as opposed to chingling. As opposed to chingling. <laughs> but this is, this song is kind of autobiographical in that it's about someone who's frustrated with their attempts at success. Um, in Bowie's case, it was his music career or whatever career he was trying to promote, you know, whether it was mime or um, I think he, he wasn't really into the visual arts, but he, he was working as a, uh, in advertising for a little while and, and tried all these things. And then he had, he had all these bands with all these different styles and he's doing all these things and, and he's chasing after this fame and it's just not... And that is kind of what this song is addressing. 
um, but he projects it onto this fictional character yeah. of the struggling writer slash academic. So, and I think this this song does kind of fit into the the types of songs he was doing at that time because this is around space oddity. I think this was actually meant to go on the album. Yeah. The album that is now called Space Oddity that was at the time called David Bowie slash Man of Words, Man of Music. Yeah, it was it was meant to be on it until September 69 after they, they recorded Memory of a Free Festival somewhere around around the end of recording for that album. Uh, it was kind of replaced by Free Festival and God Knows I'm Good. Th- those kinds of, again, character sketches or sketches of moments that, uh, that capture a kind of feeling, especially God Knows I'm Good. That's another sort of sad song about an unfortunate person. Again, autobiographical, the apartment that he describes being with the papers scattered all over the floor. Kenneth Pitt, Bowie's manager at the time, describes his own flat where young David would stay overnight being like that. He would have recording equipment and instruments and papers and things strewn all, all across the floor. Sad song. Sad song. Kind of inspired by uh, I Am A Rock, the Simon and Garfunkel song. Why don't we take a look at the lyrics? Yeah. So I don't want to spoil anything. Is okay. there possible to have spoilers in songs? Because I I don't know if I'm interpreting this wrong. Let's put a spoiler alert right here. Okay. If uh, Planting if it firmly. Listener, if you don't want to be spoiled for the song. Pause, pause, pause this. Pause now. Listen to the song. Unpause this. And we're back. And we're back. Okay. I don't know if I'm interpreting this wrong, but it feels like this song is ba- like by... He basically is walking to a bridge and jumping off. I feel like he kills himself at the end, right? Am I misinterpreting this, or does he kill himself at the end? That's a good question. I think it's ambiguous. But so basically, he talks about how he can't see the road for the rain in his eyes. Oh, yeah. This is a a songwriting trick that I love, is when you have a chorus or a hook, something you return to, but you slightly alter it each time you do it. and, And do it in a way that suggests some progress, like you're walking from a place to another place. Yeah, so I can't see the road for the rain in my eyes, and then I can't see the bridge for the rain in my eyes. So he's come from the road to the bridge. To the bridge, and he can't see the water through the tears in his eyes. Okay, so instead of water... Which I interpret as like he's bursting into tears, realizing his fate, and jumping into the water, and can't even see the water when he gets there. Yeah. Which is heavy. That is is one of the darkest things I have ever heard in a song this is yeah i think the song is definitely a kind of suicide note yeah it's his reflections as he's going to at least attempt suicide or at least contemplate suicide he's going to the bridge with the intention or at least the ideation of jumping off and so chris o'leary also points this out in his book i think or no maybe it's 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 either o'leary or peg nicholas peg but uh, the remake seems more bleak and more dire yes. than the original, both in tone and in the ending. It sounds like the older Bowie is, like I said at the beginning, more resigned. It's, he seems more ready to go through with it. But I think it is ambiguous. I think it's truly ambiguous. Like, once he gets to the, to the bridge, yeah, he says, I can't see the water for the tears in my eyes. It's unclear to me whether... He's, you know, submerged and can't see the water because the tears are mixing with the water. 
or if he's you know standing on so the far, edge, he's standing over the bridge and looking down. And it's just getting all fuzzy, and you yeah. just can't see down there. Um, I think you could take it both ways, depending on how you're feeling that day. <laughs> and that's one thing I like about this song. Another thing I really like about this song, as we're going through the lyrics, is the very end. We've talked a lot about Bowie's proclivity for putting more words in than usually fit uh, into a line. So each verse, each verse has, you know, a certain number of bars, a certain number of lines, and the last one seems to suggest a kind of rhyme where he says, uh, they walk in twos or threes or more, the light that shines above the grocer's store, those, those rhyme. And then uh, my essay's lying scattered on the floor. Okay, so here's the last couple of lines of the last verse. Store, rudely, floor, and then where the last line would end, at there, he continues, and my hands shake, my head hurts, my voice sticks inside my throat, I'm invisible and dumb and no one will recall me. Me, rhymes with rudely, that whole, that whole rushed sort of final part, the haste of that is kind of like the final bout of despair. This is it. He's getting ready to take the plunge. Yeah. And he's just like telling himself all these, all these negative thoughts and just getting ready to jump and just cramming it all in to that, to that final line. Um, I love that part. I love that part of this song. And then it ends. Question mark. Yeah. Dead, not dead. It's like the end of the Sopranos. <laughs> Anything else about conversation piece? Um, I hit all my points. I wanted to hit on that. And we mentioned the uh, remake, of course, from 2002. There's a, there's a demo that I still haven't heard. It's just Bowie and Hutch from the, uh, I think, from the audition tape. Listener, if you have any leads where to find that, I'd love to hear that one. Because uh, this is a song that I quite like, which... Uh, leads us to ratings you start i really like this song i connected with it pretty well um i can't decide if it's a good thing this song wasn't in my life at that time or if i wish it was in my life at that time how that would have panned out i mean it sounded like a, it was a cool song before i even really like dove into the lyrics it does like especially like the original where it does that like it nicks old country in a way that always always hits me really really nice and it's another sad song with kind of a happy vibe to it. Yeah. Where you might, if you're not paying attention to the lyrics, yeah. you might miss the message. The first time I listened to it was on my earbuds, and it was the uh, it was the old version. And I was making my way through, um, I don't know how much of this ambient noise is being heard by the listeners, but there's a lot of construction where I live right now. So I could only really faintly hear it overall, like the noise and commotion. So it sounded like a much happier song. Right. And then when I sat down and really listened to it and read the lyrics, I was like, oh, this is, this is not, this is the saddest song. Um, Do you rate it in twos or threes or more? Um, more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it four. Um, essays strewn upon the floor. This is starting to sound so much like The Raven, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so four essays strewn upon the floor. Uh, I love this song, and for me it's a five. This is one of those songs where... Every line kind of speaks to me. So I've, I've loved it from the first time I, I heard it. And I go back to it time and time again. It really does. It, it, it evokes a feeling, probably it, anyone who listens to this who lives outside of an urban environment, it might not resonate as well. Because you, really, you don't really get that feeling of like alone in a crowd 
Because I've done the small town thing, I've done the big city thing, and like you definitely, it's it's a very uniquely urban experience. Yeah, I want to say I want I want to say I disagree, but I fir- I think I first heard this song when I was in college. So, uh, which is kind of a an environment where you where you still have a whole lot of people around you not to connect with. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you may be right. It's kind of a it's a very London song, with the rain and the bridge and the. A foreign shop owner. Yeah. Um, what else do we usually do? Um, shows? We uh, we tell people that they should uh, listen to us and contact us. Um, yeah. Which you guys have been doing. Yeah. It's wonderful to hear from you guys. Yeah. Um, we have our our Facebook page uh, where we've been having some discussions with user with users. <laughs> listen to the user. I'm in Tron. Yeah. Uh, we've we're officially we've officially made it in internet because oh, yeah. we have now had someone say you guys are wrong. <laughs> so you you know you've like really hit the internet when you're wrong on it. When you're wrong. So there's the you can contact us through the Facebook page. We've got our Twitter. Both of those are from A to Ziggy. Email us from A to Ziggy at pod. I almost did the thing you did. I always podcast yeah. at from A to Ziggy dot com. That's why I always let you do it. Um, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Leave us a rating and a review if you agree with us. Uh, that's awesome. If you disagree with us, post us a message. Yeah. And we would love to continue the conversation about this piece of music. See what I did there? Tied up in a nice little bow. And uh, next, next episode, let's see. We're just wandering alone. We're wandering alone in the city. Yes, we are. We we're still wandering alone in the city and... In a state of such despair we might even turn to we might even crack we might just go crazy yeah so you can follow us further into the well of despair and urban decay with our next song a jaunty little tune called crack city that's next time on for me to ziggy until then my name is thomas and my name is travis Say it's true. They got-